It's time for Talking Michigan Transportation, a podcast devoted to the conversations with people at the forefront of the ongoing mobility revolution. In the state that put the world on wheels, here's your host, MDOT Communications Director, Jeff Cranson. Hi, once again, welcome to the Talking Michigan Transportation podcast, our first for the month of October in 2020. And today I'm going to be talking with a couple of people about a pretty serious issue, uh, and that's excessive speeds and the role they're playing in an increase in traffic fatalities, uh, which is really puzzling here in Michigan and in other states because uh, traffic volumes are down an average of 20% after being down as much as 60% early in the pandemic, uh, fewer people driving obviously, yet we have more deaths uh, now than we did at this point in 2019 and uh, a lot of people are scratching their heads about that. So first I'm going to be talking with First Lieutenant Michael Shaw of the Michigan State Police, and then secondly I'll be talking to Jonathan Atkins, who is the Executive Director of the Governor's Highway Safety Association based in Washington, D.C., and he'll provide a national perspective on these things. So again, first I'll be talking with First Lieutenant Michael Shaw. Lieutenant Shaw, why don't we start by uh, letting folks know what your specific roles and responsibilities are in Metro Detroit. So um, the Michigan State Police has uh, seven different districts. Uh, My district is the second district, which covers Wayne, Oakland, and Macomb County, so basically southeast Michigan. Uh, And I'm assigned the second district headquarters as the public information officer. So part of my responsibility is to refer or go to ongoing incidents, uh, talk to the media, kind of let the the public know exactly what's going out there and then you know the other part of it too is i uh, have my own uh, social media site on twitter uh to educate the public about upcoming trends that we see uh as far as traffic goes and other events uh that may affect them in the metro detroit area well and you do uh, a, a very good job both with the media and with your twitter feed and so it's very helpful and i appreciate it so thank you so talk a little bit about, I mean, you've got the three most populous counties in the state. You've got by far the busiest roads in the state. And you've got the biggest media market. So you have to keep on top of, of a lot of things. Um, why do you think we're seeing this uptick in fatal crashes when traffic is down? And that's something that, you know, it concerns us naturally because everybody figures that we're basically under a stay-at-home order from almost March till May. So we would figure that our stats would be way down and you couldn't even count this year uh, as far as traffic stats would go. But that unfortunately uh, isn't the case. And some of it is is going back to the very, very beginning of of basic driving skills. Uh, We used to talk education-wise about, you know, distracted driving and some of the more things that multitasking things that our people are doing um but now we're seeing some of the basic stuff uh, excessive speed and we're not talking you know 10 miles over the speed limit or 15 miles over the speed limit uh we're talking 143 miles an hour that uh, a trooper got on one of our freeways uh just people driving way way too fast above their abilities to drive i think a lot of people don't understand that uh, you get a crash at that speed uh the the chances of you uh having a successful outcome probably isn't there. Uh, the second thing we've seen is the the lack of seatbelt use. Most of our fatalities down in this area, or at least you know the last few of them, have been drivers that would have survived the tra- the crash if they would have had a seatbelt on, but ended up being ejected. 
And then that last one there is the, the one that gets most people in the Metro Detroit area, and that's just following too closely. Uh, we've seen cars driving underneath the back of semi-trailers. We've seen semis running into the back of cars, uh, people driving in rush hour traffic, uh, not paying attention or following too closely and, and end up hitting the back of those cars. Uh, so we, we think that's in there somewhat. And uh, also we're, we're seeing a lot of people that uh, maybe think they can get a little bit away with it with uh, with the pandemic going on uh, where people are uh, thinking that the police might not be out there. We know we had some departments that you know mentioned that they weren't going to do as much traffic enforcement. So I think a lot of the public uh, are those people that like to drive a little bit excessive are now taking it to a new level. So that's that's a lot. 143 miles per hour, especially is is eye popping, and I remember um, hearing about that. I think that that you're you're right. The theory nationally that I've heard is that for a while there, when traffic was down so much, I mean as much as 60 percent in Michigan um, immediately after the stay-at-home orders and after the outbreak, um, people got this idea that you know it's the wild west and the open road, and they drove like that, and then they continued to drive like that even after traffic returned. But the seatbelt thing. Is, is really puzzling. And one thing I've heard about that, and I know this is all just conjecture because that's all we can do, <laughs> but because some people are so uh, resistant to being told to wear masks, it's just it's kind of provoked that libertarian spirit in people like, I'm just not going to do anything anymore, and you can't make me wear a seatbelt. So I, I don't know how else to explain that. And that is the weird part for us because in Michigan, we've been very fortunate. We've had a 97-98 compliance rate. We led the nation you know, in seatbelt use, and usually that is not an issue for us uh, here in Michigan as far as our drivers um, and you know, seatbelt compliance. But and, and maybe that's part of it is people are getting tired of being told what to do, and they're just not going to do, do anything. But uh, that seatbelt will definitely save your life uh, for – many reasons as we come up on simple things like uh deer hunting season uh, don't veer for deer if you don't have your seatbelt on uh you get in a car deer crash the chance of you getting being seriously injured you know rises uh snow's coming unfortunately you know you you, you wipe out in the snow um the chance of you getting injured uh, rises you know either from the airbag going off or you not being behind the wheel and being able to control that car. So uh, you may be mad that uh, you're, you're, you're being told what to do so much lately, but uh, that's, that's something that you got to keep on all the time. Well, it's also an, an issue of caring about the other people that might be in your vehicle. I know um, my counterparts in Utah did a put together a pretty controversial uh, PSA a few years back that uh, made the point, uh, you know, that a child in the back seat uh, could be killed by you when you become a projectile because you weren't wearing a seatbelt. And I, I wonder if more people thought about that, if that at least would get them motivated. But like you said, up until now, we've had very good compliance in Michigan. So, you know, it, it didn't seem like something we needed to keep talking about. I thought we could move on to other things. Um, real quickly, because you talked about cars following too closely and you know, those of us that paid attention in driver's ed remember what we were taught about, you know, the distances per 10 miles an hour and how you should estimate your distance. Um, do you think that, uh, that you know, is it distracted driving for, in a lot of cases? Suddenly people are creeping up on somebody. They didn't even realize it because they were, you know, looking at something else. And I think that was part of it when we really started looking at because we had trouble with, you know, following too closely, in fact, uh, 
uh, looking at some of our stats, that was one of the major contributors to traffic crashes uh, here in the district, even before the pandemic starts. But now I think that it's just amplified for that very reason. Either people aren't paying attention or else, you know, we've just seen and, you know, it's kind of going back to the old roadhouse analogy for those old enough to remember that one, you know, just be nice. Um, people kind of have lost that in in this pandemic where uh drivers aren't as courteous as they used to be where you know if wanted to get over a lane somebody usually would wave you over um now people are just driving so close to each other because either uh they want to suck up that space or they want to force you out of the way so they can continue on whatever their speed is going and then some of it has got to be some of the distracted driving because we see rear-end collisions in five-mile-an-hour backed-up traffic when traffic's in a queue trying to work their way through. And then next thing you know, the guy behind you bumps into you because, you know, their face is buried in their phone. So do you think that um, there's a road rage element to this, too? I mean, people are obviously on edge. I mean, um, people are stressed for a number of reasons, uh, the economics of the pandemic and just just the, the fear that creates stress that everybody lives with. Is that part of this? I, I think it is. You know, here in, in Metro Detroit, since June 15th, we've had 18 different you know freeway shootings, uh, ranging from homicides to felonious assault to non-fatal shootings. Uh, seven of those were simply because somebody was upset that somebody didn't use a turn signal or, you know, the famous, they felt disrespected and they felt that that was serious enough for them to pull out a, a firearm and fire rounds at another person. Uh, I think some of that kind of ties into maybe a little bit of the anti-police sentiment that we're seeing out there where people are thinking, well, I'm just going to handle this myself because the police probably aren't going to do anything about it with all the bad publicity that they're getting. Uh, so I think there's a little bit of that, too, that's kind of making this perfect storm that's uh, out there on our roadways right now because there's no reason that we should have this much higher of a fatal crash rate um, when you have that much less traffic on the road. So there's got to be some other factors that go in there besides just bad driving. So I know you and your colleagues struggle with these things. You guys obviously have families and, you know, children and brothers and sisters, and uh, you have to deal with this time and again. And how do you professionally, you know, stay engaged enough to do what you have to do, but detached enough to not, not let every one of these, you know, kind of get to you? Uh, so it, it's sometimes it's a little bit difficult because, yeah, you, you, you get on there and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of maybe at a little bit of a disadvantage because I see the bad news all the time, you know, monitoring the social media, being involved with the media, you, you kind of get inundated with it. Uh, so sometimes you think you're taking a couple of steps forward by doing these type of podcasts or going to the media and say, hey, slow down, be nice, you know, let things go. You don't have to use a gun. Violence is bad. And then you, you go and the next day, uh, there's another one. And, you know, you kind of look at it and say, man, or you look at some of these crashes where you go out there, um, one in particular that you know I was out on the scene with and kind of followed through was the construction worker that was you know struck and killed uh, on the side of the road from the Macomb County Road Commission, uh, knowing a young man that you know fought through cancer four or five times through his childhood was trying to make a living and senselessly because somebody didn't move over or pay attention, you know, lost his life on a freeway. You know, it kind of wears on you a little bit, but I think the 
other part that I do is, you know, hopefully by talking about it or really stressing this stuff out or doing this type of enforcement that we're saving a lot of other lives as well. So you kind of, kind of look at the positive aspect of it a little bit. Yeah, that, uh, <clears throat> that worker death in Macomb County is just particularly disturbing because of his personal story. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, and I'm glad you also um, channel some of your education efforts toward work zone safety because, um, you know, those folks, you know, as we always talk about, you know, drive as if you work here, that try to imagine, you know, your workplace with cars screaming by at 80 miles per hour. It's uh, it's something we can't probably talk about enough, so I appreciate your efforts there. So uh, later on, I'm going to be talking to Jonathan Atkins, who's the executive director of the Governor's Highway Safety Association, and he's got some perspective and insights about what's going on nationally that I think will, uh, you know, will, will complement what we talked about. But I, I want to thank you again for taking the time to do this, Lieutenant Shaw. Thanks. I appreciate you having me on. And uh, we always stress everybody to drive safely and make sure that you move over. For the second segment today, as promised, I'm going to be talking with Jonathan Adkins, who is the Executive Director of the Governor's Highway Safety Administration. Jonathan, thanks for taking time to do this. Sure, my pleasure. So earlier, I, I spoke to uh, First Lieutenant Michael Shaw of the Michigan State Police, who is the PIO for the busiest region, uh, Metro Detroit, the three most populous counties in the state, and by far the, the heaviest freeway uh, use from a traffic standpoint in Michigan. And, you know, he's puzzling, too, about why it is with traffic down so much, still an average of 20% across the state, we have more deaths at this point uh, on Michigan roads than we did in 2019 at this time. And um, I see just today, uh, as timing would have it, you guys uh, issued a new release based on some new uh, reports from NHTSA. Um, so it doesn't sound as bad nationally as what we're seeing in Michigan, but you still seem like you guys are kind of scratching your heads too about what's going on, and you offer some theories um, I don't know, what are your best thoughts about this phenomenon, why it would be? Well, the national perspective um, is, not, is not good. Um, data through the first six months of 2020 indicate that deaths are down nationally 2%. And that sounds okay until you see that vehicle miles traveled um, are down about 16.5%. So we should have had a big, big reduction in deaths. Um, and we are seeing um, some states like Michigan, Missouri, uh, New York and others that are actually seeing the number of deaths going up, um, and, and, that, and that's pretty incredible. Um, we don't, you know, it's too early to know exactly why this is happening, but we have some pretty uh, educated guesses. We think speeding is playing a huge role um, in, in this issue. We're having reports um, every day from all across the country of, of folks getting um, stopped for 100 miles an hour, 120 miles an hour, uh, just some really excessive uh, feeding. Um, we're also seeing, particularly in rural areas, um, crashes where uh, the driver or the passenger are getting ejected from the vehicle, which suggests um, a lack of seatbelt use. Um, and I think the overall issue that we're seeing is really a lack of enforcement um, through uh, the pandemic um, to, to now. And on the one hand, it's understandable. Um, early in the pandemic, there were a lot of concerns about um, officer safety for sure and public safety and, and, and having that interaction um, and police the police have also had a lot of other issues going on with um, rioting and, and civil disrupt, dis, um, 
to, uh, across the country. And so that there, there's been quite a bit, quite a bit going on. So it's not just one factor, uh, but we're having a, a group of things coming together, and it's uh, it's pretty concerning. I think that you know, anecdotally, I definitely see what you're talking about. I'm not on the road that much right now, or as much as I used to be. But when I am, I definitely see higher speeds on the freeway. Um, I'm I'm curious. Lieutenant Shaw and I talked about this a little bit. The the seatbelt thing seems really puzzling. I mean, we had achieved. Um, you know, pretty high compliance in Michigan, like in the high 90% range. And now they're seeing uh, what you're talking about seeing in some other states, and that's not just speeding, but people not using their seatbelts all of a sudden. I, I can't figure that out. My only theory on that is that it's got to do with the whole mask debate, and, you know, people are are ticked off about being told what to do, and they're, it's kind of kicked in this, like, libertarian spirit, like, you know, I'm just not going to do anything you tell me to do. I, I don't have a better theory. I think it's a pretty good theory, frankly. Um, and it's, it's a reminder that a lot of us do the safe thing because we know it's the safe thing. But there are a lot of us that um, only do the safe thing because we, we fear consequence. We fear getting a ticket. We fear getting in trouble. We fear getting a fine. And if, if folks don't think there's going to be a consequence and they can get away with it, um, they may not be wearing their seatbelts. They may say, you know what, the heck with it. You're not going to tell me what to do. And... You can't do anything about it because you're not going to be able to stop me. Um, so that that that's a big concern. Um, the other thing that we you know we don't know a lot about at this point, but we we think that alcohol and drug use is, is probably playing some sort of a role. Um, we know that um, in June, for example, uh, the al- alcohol sales uh, hit a, hit a record nationally. So you've got a you know a period of time where. People are really stressed. A lot of people have lost their jobs. There's a lot of loss and uncertainty um, still during the pandemic, and particularly um, in the early stages. And so we are seeing, you know, at the same time, a lot more alcohol use. Doesn't mean that people are necessarily getting behind the wheel and driving, but um, when you start to see a lot of different factors all sort of heading in the same direction, uh, it makes you wonder. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I think that uh, the that stress plays a huge role. Um, that's also why road rage incidents are up, though. Yeah, it, it's probably a, a whole bunch of things. Um, I do notice that, uh, you know, one theory from um, an academic in Michigan who studies traffic safety was that there there might even be more incidences of, you know, suicide or homicide by vehicle, again, because of that stress and because of, you know, people just feeling under a lot of pressure. Well, at a minimum, distracted, distracting, distraction. I think we're all clearly distracted, um, thinking about um, the pandemic, thinking about um, the different stresses we may be under, and thinking about um, sort of a whole host of different challenges that we have now that we didn't have um, before the pandemic. So, you know, you, we see all these, these different factors um, that are that are at, at play here. Well, what do you think this, this does to, you know, hardcore adherence to the 85th percentile if, if we know that um, people left to their own devices will not self-regulate, and you know the, that belief that traffic will flow at a at a certain rate that is deemed you know safe by most drivers. Um, this is this is challenging that theory, isn't it? Well, a lot of safety advocates don't think much of the the 85th percentile in the first place, and so this is probably a good opportunity to really look more broadly at the issue of speed, um, how we treat it as as a culture. Um, the reason you know, every, we all speed, we're we're all guilty of this. This is this is different than alcohol use or even driver distraction. M- most of us certainly know that drinking behind the wheel is bad. 
most of us know that uh, cell phone use behind the wheel is bad, even if we do it. But most of the public really is, is comfortable with speeding. So we need to have a much broader conversation about speeding, and uh, certainly the 85th percentile uh, is part of that. Yeah, I, I think one of my fervent hopes is that uh, when we get to an age of truly automated and connected vehicles, that uh, a lot of those things, you know, are, are regulated by the technology. Well, technology can play a big role. We're, we're, the Governor's Highway Safety Association is a big fan of automated enforcement. Um, cameras don't see race. Cameras don't see gender. And they also don't put um, officers in dangerous situations. And so um, technology um, creates a lot of problems in traffic safety, thinking about driver distraction and some other things. But uh, technology can uh, help get us uh, out of some of these challenges, too. And so right away somebody's going to scream, Big Brother. How do you respond to them? Well, driving is a privilege. Um, it's not a right. Um, we have a responsibility to uh, to look out for ourselves and our, and our families and other people on the road. Um, and it's a little bit, um, you know, a, a, a reminder that there are cameras everywhere. Every time we go, go pretty much anywhere, every time we get money out of the bank, uh, every time we go well, back when we used to go to baseball games, uh, we're always on camera. Um, the cameras that are uh, traffic uh, lights, um, they only take your picture if you commit a violation. So... Um, I don't really buy the big brother argument. Yeah, I, I, when people bring that up in terms of you know vehicle miles traveled and what we could do to figure out where vehicles are going, and people cite privacy concerns, and I think my goodness, you know, most of us carry at least one phone, if not two, and, and other devices. So you know, we're already being tracked. Yeah, privacy. Um, privacy is kind of out the door in, in a lot of cases, but. Um, I don't think traffic uh, traffic cameras are, 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 the, are the real issue. I think that it's an excuse sometimes for, for folks wanting to, to go fast and run it, run intersections and, and uh, behave uh, aggressively and, uh, frankly, selfishly. So what do you think? One, one thing we wrestle with a lot here in the, the Office of Highway Safety Planning in Michigan, um, you know, has their own messaging and they're housed within the Michigan State Police. That's the way it works here. But as we talk to our counterparts there and, and the folks at the DOT here wrestle with is, is, is what message resonates. Um, you know, at a Transcom uh, event a few years back, I did a, a video that my daughter actually put together when she was a senior in high school asking her friends, you know, what it means to them when they see a billboard or a DMS or something that says, you know, don't text and drive. And, you know, to a one, they basically said, that doesn't really tell them anything. It's like putting a sign on a bank that says no robbers allowed, you know. So what, <laughs> what does alter behavior? What, what do you think, you know, can actually break through and, and make people think twice, whether it's slowing down in a work zone or, or not using their, their phone or at least not texting while they're driving? I mean, any of these things. Well, it's evolving a little bit. You know, before the pandemic, I would have said a strong enforcement message, you know, uh, to, to remind people that if they, they break the law, they're going to get a ticket. We know that that works. Clicker ticket um, has been effective. But the way we think about law enforcement in this country is certainly changing. And so there's some indications, and there have been a little bit, some studies um, as well that indicate that a softer message can be more effective. Um, for adults, a message of um, slow down so you get home safely to see your kids tonight um, can, be, can be effective, and we're, we're seeing some signs of that. For young drivers, um, they don't fear death, but they fear disfigurement. And so we've had some, some studies and some, some evidence that show that um, that fear of you may be in a traffic crash and be hurt, uh, you may not be beautiful anymore, um, that can resonate 
but um, just a simple um, don't do it message um, isn't going to have much impact. So in, in, in their adolescent mind, uh, there really is a fate worse than death. Yes. Um, you know, not, not, not being beautiful, um, being disfigured in some way. Um, we've seen that um, in some studies, but also in presentations with, with um, students against destructive decisions and other, other youth groups. Um, there's not a fear of dying, but there is that fear of disfigurement. That's interesting, and and you know when you mention drive like you want to see your kids tonight, we uh, we used a tagline for a while that just said drive like you want to make it home tonight. So I guess that all dovetails yeah. with what you're talking about in terms of softer messaging. And I would think the same would would be true of a message that says you know drive like you work here when it comes to you know road construction zones too. Yeah, and you know there 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 are conversations across the country that. Um, you know, as work zone fatalities continue, there may be, have to be some hard decisions. You know, we, one thing we've learned from COVID is that sometimes you have to shut things down, um, as hard as that is. And states may need to consider, you know, particularly in big work zone and big big projects, they may have to shut the road down to keep people safe. Um, that's tr- that seems extreme uh, to, on one hand, uh, but on the other hand, as we continue continue to see these fatalities. Um, we may not have a choice. Yeah, these. Um, I mean, I, I know it's it's true in Michigan, and I'm sure it's true at every DOT and really every local agency doing road projects that the, trying to balance, you know, that that need for ongoing mobility with the need for safety in the work zone. Um, you know, I, I yeah, I wonder if we need to rethink that balance. And sometimes there's just not going to be an opportunity to be driving, you know, alongside people working. It's just not. It's just not practical. It's a difficult um, discussion, and um, I'm frankly glad that I'm not in a D- DOT. I'll let smart, smarter people like yourself uh, figure that one out. Yeah. Well, this has been really, really informative, uh, Jonathan. I appreciate it, and I appreciate that you guys are keeping tracks of these stats and helping us, uh, you know, figure out from state to state what might be working. And, you know, everything is derivative, and we're all about borrowing ideas and figuring out who's doing something better. So, um you guys, you know, looking exactly. at exactly. Michigan does a lot of a, a lot of good things in traffic safety, and uh, we like to uh, to share your successes so they can be uh, duplicated in other states. So uh, keep the messaging coming, please. Okay, thanks again for listening to this week's edition of Talking Michigan Transportation, and I want to give a special thanks to Corey Petey, who uh, does the sound engineering for the podcast, and to Sarah Martin uh, of MDOT, who does the show's intro and closing. That's a wrap for this edition of Talking Michigan Transportation. Check out show notes and more by subscribing on Apple Podcasts.